And uh, we're going to stand together at this time. We're going to be looking at a passage in Psalm 107. Psalm 107, a message I call, He Leadeth Me. Psalm 107. Verse 6, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. And He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. And may God bless the reading of his word today is my prayer. You may be seated. This morning we'll begin looking at this great Old Testament song out of the Hebrew hymnal. Good old Psalm 107. Uh, It is a song about human weakness set against the power of God. A song of our troubles and God's deliverance. The refrain is repeated with only slight differences four times in this psalm. The first is in our text. If you look in verse 13, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. Verse 19, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Verse 28. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Now, each of these verses calls attention to a then, 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 the passages also call attention to a they, then they, then they, then they, then they cry unto the Lord. And obviously, there's a specific people who are in the midst of specific circumstances and occasions, and in the midst of that specific situation, the psalmist says they cried unto the Lord. Now, we're not going to have time this morning to consider all four of these. And uh, over the next couple of weeks, I, I hope that we'll, if God permits, uh, we'll have the opportunity of going back over these again and uh, considering these four times that people in specific situations cried out to the Lord and the Lord delivered them and led them out of their distresses. The whole psalm is introduced to us with a couple of famous passages. Verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. That really sets the tone for the whole psalm. He gives us two specific instructions. Number one, he says, give thanks unto the Lord. Why? Because number one, God is merciful. (laughs) I'm going to tell you something this morning. Every single one of us can give thanks to God for his abundant mercies. Uh, But also, God is good to us. And that is, he is good to us. And he's good to us in incredible ways, in unexpected ways. There will never be a time that we open our eyes on a sunrise that we can't give thanks to God because He is good to us and because He's merciful to us. Those are two things, no matter what our situation is, no matter what's going on, we owe God our thanksgiving every single day. 
Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. And then he tells us to give a testimony to others. Give thanks to God and give a testimony then to others. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What do we give a testimony about? Well, the fact that we have been redeemed. But then he goes on and talks of how God has gathered us together and made us a part of his people or a part of his forever family because we have been redeemed. Now, this is not something that we need to be pushed into a corner about. Uh, It is time that the redeemed of the Lord say so. We need to be open about it, upfront about it. We need to identify and testify, I have been redeemed. Great song, by the way. <laughs> redeemed. I'm redeemed. And certainly this involves and includes our glorious salvation. We were dead in our sins and separated from God. It doesn't matter if we were 7 or 17 or 77 when we got saved. All of us were equally under the condemnation of God. All of us were in our sins. All of us were headed to a place the Bible calls hell, the eternal fires of hell. And we were redeemed. Now, there's a lot of churches, a lot of preachers that are taking hell out of their vocabulary anymore, uh, but I can't do that. They say it's unpopular in our world. My goodness, how many things we preach about are unpopular in our world. They say the modern mind doesn't like the idea of hell. It doesn't matter to me. Jesus Christ himself warned us about it. In fact, Mark chapter 9, if you want to go there, not this morning and see it sometime, three times in as many verses almost, Jesus warned us about the fires of hell that he said are not quenched. Hell's a real place. Jesus knew it. He preached about it a lot. He warned people about it. He spoke to one group and said, uh, you called them a generation of vipers. That's snakes in South Arkansas. A generation of snakes, he said. How shall you escape the damnation of hell? Incredible question. Jesus talked about hell a lot. And the fact is that all of us were headed to an eternity in hell, but Jesus Christ saved us. And he saved us because he redeemed us. That means that he paid the price for our sins, not for his. He didn't have any. And because he paid the price for our sins, we put our trust in him. Then we have been delivered uh, from that eternal punishment. We proclaim then that we have been redeemed. But you know, that work of God redeeming us, of rescuing us, of delivering us, didn't stop when he saved us. Many of you have a similar testimony to mine. I was saved when I was seven years old. And I knew I was lost. And I knew I needed to be saved. And I asked Jesus to save me. And he did. All these many years later, I'm still saved. Uh, Because that's the way salvation is. Amen. But you know... The Lord Jesus has gotten me out of a lot more trouble since I've been saved than he did when I was seven years old. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not trying to tell you that I wasn't lost when I was seven. I was. I'm not trying to tell you that I wasn't headed to hell. I was. I'm not trying to say I wasn't under the condemnation of God. I was. Under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, he showed me that. I'm just saying that Jesus Christ didn't stop delivering me. He didn't stop rescuing me. He has had to get me out of a lot of difficult situations. 
over the course of my life. Most of them self-inflicted, might I add. And you see, the psalmist doesn't just want us talking about how that Jesus saved us, although that's a great thing for us to talk about. But you see, the world that you and I live in also needs to hear the message that Jesus Christ has something to say about our struggles, that Jesus Christ has something to do for us when we are in the midst of our difficulties and our trials and our hard times, even when they're self-inflicted. And in fact, as we go along through Psalm 107, we're going to find out that's exactly, exactly what the psalmist brings up. Not once, but four times about how people found themselves then far away from what God ever intended, and yet they cried to the Lord, and He delivered them. We need to testify to others about how God continues to redeem us and rescue us. So we'll pick up the story then in verse 4 this morning. Who are they? Uh, They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way, and they found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. And He led them forth by the right way, that they may go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men, for He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. The then and the they then of this passage is clearly identified. It is a group of people, first of all, who were wondering And they were wandering, wandering because they were spiritually homeless. They were in a desolate place, the Bible says. An inhospitable place. And there were no cities. There was no habitation there. And the reason why that there was no city there is because the land that they were in was not hospitable uh, to a, a settlement. It was a very difficult, a very barren type of place where they were, very inhospitable, very inhospitable. One of the great things for us to learn is that when we are lost, wandering around in life, uh, we need a guide more than we need guidance. We need a director more than we need direction. And most of us uh, who are in the older crowd here today, and if you fit in that crowd somehow, well, you probably know what I'm about to talk about. You have been in a situation probably where you had to stop somebody somewhere and ask for directions. You ever done that? Nod your head like this. I've asked for directions. Now, we don't do that anymore. Why? Because we all carry around a GPS and our phone and in our car. And all we have to do is punch in where we're going, and it'll take you right to that spot. And they've gotten a lot better. I've lived long enough to see those things get to where they actually work most of the time. (laughs) I remember one time Nancy and I were down in Florida, and I punched in a place to go, and you know, our GPS took us there. Unfortunately, there was a big creek and a whole big holler between us and them. Y'all know what a holler is. That's a valley. (laughs) Now, we were there. I could see it. They said, you're at your destination. But there was no way for us to get there from where we were. Interesting thing. Now, that doesn't happen much anymore. It's gotten a lot better. 
And that's all well and good when you know where you need to go. And you know where your destination is. You know where you need to go. Type it in, in, that'll get you right there. But the problem is in life, we often find ourselves in places where we don't know where we need to go. And we have tried everywhere we need to try. We've been everywhere we need to go. We've tried all those places and we did not find what we were looking for. And you know as I do that you can find yourself sometime in the wilderness and you can walk over every square foot of that ground from backwards to frontwards and side and around the back and still not find what you're looking for. They were wandering and they found no dwelling place. There was no city, no habitation. They were looking for a place, but they could not find it. And you see, when you are in that kind of situation... You don't just need guidance. If you've ever asked for directions, you know what I'm talking about, about that too. Because have you ever tried to follow somebody's directions when they give them to you? Well, go to the Sonic, turn right, go down three streets, no four, or you're going to see a moving place on the left. And you go down, now, if you've gone to that, you've gone too far. You need to go back. And, you know, <clears throat> thank you very much. I'll just, <laughs> it's, it's that away somewhere. That's all I can get out of that. Directions. Aren't you glad that when we cry to the Lord, God comes to us? We get a God. And when God is our God, He always knows exactly where we need to go. And He knows exactly how to get us there. When we cry to the Lord, we cry for Him to come guide us. And just His presence there makes all the difference in the world to us. Remember that they were in a desolate and uninhabited land and the reason why that they were there is because they had wandered away from where they should have been. And we can put this down in our programs this morning as God's people. Whenever we wander away from God, we are going to find this world an inhospitable place. We can look all over the place, but if we as God's people have wandered away from the Lord, we are not going to find rest for our souls. We are not going to find comfort and a dwelling place there. Uh, the great uh, preacher E.V. Hill uh, was fond of preaching a sermon he called the Hog Pen Trail. You can look it up on YouTube and see him preaching it at Thomas Road Baptist Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. A great sermon, a great way to spend 42 minutes. Not this morning, not right now, but great way to spend 42 minutes listening to E.V. Hill. <laughs> I warn you, it was back in the 70s, so everybody in the crowd had, all the ladies anyway, had bouffant hairdos. And, and Jerry Falwell was a young man. The hog pen trail. That's what we travel when we wander away from God as God's people and we find, just like the prodigal son did, that this world is a very inhospitable place. Some of you in this very crowd this morning may have been wandering those desolate trails 
And you're here today because you're longing for home. I wish I could tell you that Faith Baptist was home, but it's not. You can come in and, out of, and leave out of this place and not be any closer to home than you was. Because home, listen, when you have wandered away from God, home comes when we cry out to Him. And He comes to us. And we find ourselves back with the Father. That's when we get a guide. And He promises then to lead us where we need to go. So the they, they were wandering the second thing the Bible talks about is how that they were in want. They were wanting, and they were wanting because they were spiritually hungry. They were wondering because they were spiritually homeless. They were uh, in an inhospitable place because they'd wandered far from God. But then verse 5 tells us they were hungry and thirsty so that not only could they not find rest or satisfaction in that desolate land, but they were also hungry and thirsty. Now I can't promise you this morning that every time you wander away from God that you're going to find yourself starving to death and needing a drink of water worse than you ever had. I can't promise you that. I wish I almost could. It'd probably get you back to God a lot quicker if that happened. Especially the thirsty part. We can only go about a day or so without water uh, before we're in a heap of hurt. Go a long time without food. They were hungry and thirsty. But you know, the Bible often uses that as a description of how that we have a desire for God. They had wandered away from Him. And so, as a result of that, as they were wandering in the world, then they did not find anything that satisfied their deepest longings. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, that doesn't mean that as we're wandering in the world that we won't have a lot of different appetites. And, and we do. We hunger and thirst after a lot of things besides the things of God. I've showed you this passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 before, but I'll bring it up to you again today because it's so true. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. You see, we have a lot of appetites for the things that the world has, but as a people of God, we find out those don't fill our deepest longings. They don't. So Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And our hunger and thirst for righteousness comes then when we feed ourselves on the Word and we feast on the Word of God. I want to give you a challenge today. Every one of us wakes up every morning thinking about food. Well, maybe coffee first and then food, but... Uh, uh, take a challenge this week and before you do anything else except for coffee, I'll give you coffee get you a cup of coffee and sit down with the word of God and start reading it and after you've read the Bible for a while then you talk to God you say well where do I start start anywhere if you're not used to doing it, I would encourage you to start with the Gospel of John. It's a great place to start. Read a chapter a day for a while. When you finish, go back and read them again. And when you finish that, then go back and read it again. Then you might want to tackle Matthew for a while or some of the others. A great, great habit to cultivate of showing God how important He is and His Word is to us. 
and that I'm willing to feed my soul before I feed my body. It's a great thing for us to do. When we wander away from God, one of the first things that goes is our Bible reading and our prayer to God. We aren't thankful. We're certainly not given a testimony while we're wandering out in the wilderness and wandering away from God and not reading our Bible and not spending our time in prayer. Our thankfulness goes away. We become dissatisfied and unhappy. We're wandering in the wilderness and we are wanting because we're spiritually hungry. So the they were the wanderers who were spiritually homeless. They were wanting because they were spiritually hungry. Lastly, they were wasting away because they were spiritually hopeless and helpless. Their soul, the Bible said, fainted in them. It is one thing for your body to feel faint and weak. It's another thing when it's your soul that feels faint. And that's dangerous for us because the Spirit is what actually quickens us, energizes us, and keeps us going. In John chapter 6 and verse 63, Jesus said, It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. 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 It is the Spirit that quickens us. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. It is the spirit that gives us life and gives us strength and keeps us going. It is the spirit, the soul that says, let's do this again when the flesh is saying, let's quit. It's the spirit that says, keep going, keep going. When the flesh is saying, I'm done. But when the spirit is weak and fainting, then there's nothing to fall back on when our flesh is out of gas. Nothing. It's a dangerous thing when we let our souls get weak. When the soul gets faint, people give up. When you're in an inhospitable, desolate wilderness that you've wandered back and forth, back and forth. You've gone down every trail you could find. You've been over every foot of it, but you could not find a place to be at rest. You found yourself hungering more and more, dissatisfied more and more. And ultimately then, your soul is faint and weary. It looks hopeless. We feel helpless. Who is the they in this passage? They're spiritually homeless, spiritually hungry, spiritually hopeless, and spiritually helpless. Thank God this morning we don't have to stop with just the they. Because there's also the then. As in, then, then, then they cry unto the Lord. Who knows how many barren trails people will walk down? Who knows how long we'll go in hunger and in thirst for righteousness? Who knows how many days and nights we'll go without hope before we get to the point? Then, then, they cried unto the Lord. This portrays a person on his knees before God. 
on our face even before God. But what's important are people who are pouring out their heart to God, crying out to God. They didn't just cry. They cried to God. And though there's a great old hymn that tells us tears are a language that God understands, I don't really need that hymn to tell me because I see it right here. They cried, but they didn't just cry. A lot of people just cry. But the important thing in this passage is then they cried to God. They cried to the Lord in their trouble. And when we do that, God goes into action. First, He delivers us out of our distresses. He delivers us out of distresses. Now, let me say this to you this morning. Our situation may not change very much. We might be in exactly the same situation before we call out to God as we are, or, or after we call out to God as we were before we called out to God. But what changes is our distresses. He delivers us out of our distresses. And the second thing, and we'll have to consider the second in order to consider the first, because it tells us then that He leads us out of this mess that we're in by the right way or by the straight path. He leads us out of that. You understand why I say that when God delivers us out of our distresses, our situation itself may not change. But it's going to change. What changes is that God comes to us. And that makes all the difference because He comes and speaks peace to our heart and our soul. We have cried out to Him. We have called out to Him. And He responds. And what we feel then is that incredible, indescribable peace of God that tells my soul everything is going to be all right. And there in your trouble, though, looking around, nothing may have changed all that much. But all of a sudden, people around you see you with a silly-looking grin on your face. They said, man, why are you smiling? They said, well, God has spoken peace to my life, and I know that everything is going to be all right. And they may look at you like you've got three heads. Go ahead. we got to praise to God for all three of them. Amen? I'm telling you. Let it go. Why? Because God has come to me in my stress. God has come to me in my trouble. God has showed up in the midst of my difficulties in my life. I was wandering away from Him. I thought He'd be done with me. I thought He'd be mad at me. But when I cried out to Him, He came to me. And He delivered me. And though my situation may not have changed, my distress has been replaced by the peace of God that passes understanding. And I also know that God's going to lead me out of this. God's got a plan. He's got a way. I'm not sure what it is, but I know He's here. So God delivers us out of our distress. He leads us forth in by the right way. And he satisfies the soul. What you never found at the end of a thousand paths in this world, God gives you when you cry out to him. He's what you were looking for and you couldn't find. 
When we as God's people wander away from him in that wilderness that's so inhospitable and we're hungry and thirsty, we've got a life full of desires and dissatisfaction and we're looking at everything and anything. We try to eat and you know we, we can eat enough to where we take up uh, two whole addresses and we still hadn't found what we were looking for. We can drink ourselves into oblivion. A lot of people do, but we still hadn't found what we're looking for. There is no hope in the bottom of a bottle, folks. It's not there. Whether it's pills or alcohol, don't matter. It's not going to give you what you're looking for. Because the world, listen, the world doesn't have it. But when you cry out to God, He satisfies your soul. He gives you a place of rest and refreshment. You feast on His Word. You find strength and sustenance. You remember, though maybe at one time you forgot, you remember how great it is to be at the Father's house and sit at the Father's table. A couple of applications. First of all, we're not very good at recognizing our true situation. We can convince ourselves that we're doing pretty good when we're not. We're really not all that good at identifying where we are. That's why the psalmist taught us to uh, cry out to God and say, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in thy way everlasting. There's... God leading us again. He leads us in that everlasting way. But in order to do that, He has to show us where we really are. We're not that good at figuring it out. great example is in Matthew 26 when Jesus announced to the twelve, and we'll see this portrayed in a few weeks in our living last supper uh, here at Faith Baptist again. We're so excited about that. But Jesus asked the disciples or made that statement to them, One of you shall betray me. And the Bible tells us that they all started asking, is it I? Nobody suggested that it was Judas. I bet it's Judas. Nobody said that. They all said, is it I? And finally, when Judas, who didn't want to be left out, he didn't want to be the only one, didn't say, is it I? Of course, Judas knew already who it was, but there he said, it is I. And Jesus is the only one he responded to as far as the text is concerned. Thou sayest it. But you see, every one of the disciples was full of the possibility that it might be me. We're not that good at assessing our own spiritual condition. We can be wandering out in the wilderness and we'll convince ourselves that we're taking a walk in the park. We're not real good at assessing that. That's why when we finally figure that out and we're in the wilderness, then the only question is, is how long are we going to have to wander around in it before we cry out to the Lord? The second thing, uh, one writer uh, I saw this week, he, he said something I really liked. He said, God never gets a busy signal. God never gets a busy signal. And the reason he says that God never gets a busy signal is he never calls until we're ready to answer. He never speaks into, to us until we're ready to listen. He, 
I, I, and I can see that. I can also see Romans 10 where God said that all day long I've stretched forth my hands. And you see that like somebody stretching forth their hands to a little child. All day long God says I've stretched forth my hands to a disobedient and gainsaying people. They wouldn't come. I understand both sides of that are true. We're determined to find our own way. Homeless, hungry, helpless, hopeless. But somehow we know we can fix it. We can't. Cry to the Lord. Cry to the Lord. It's a huge thing when God gets us ready to answer the phone. It's a huge thing when God gets us to the place where we see ourselves like we really are. Where we admit that we've wandered a long way from where we once were. One more thing. The wilderness is an inhospitable place. And if you find yourself homeless and hungry and helpless and hopeless, hopeless... A lot of God's people have died in the wilderness. It can happen. You ever wonder how that a saved person, a Christian person, can take their own life? A lot of times they've wandered around in the wilderness and lived in hopelessness for so long. They think there's no way out. I'm here to tell you there's a way out. He has a name. Your way out of the wilderness is the same one who saved you. And if you'll call on him and cry out to him, he'll come where you are. He'll come to you in your distress. He'll lead you out in the way that you need to go. And he'll bring the satisfaction, strength, the health, and the hope back to you. This is a great song. And I hope now we can all see a little bit more about crying out to the Lord. You know, I remember a time I surrendered to preach when I was 14 years old. And a little over a year and a half later, I decided that that was not for me and I was determined I was going to quit. And for the next year and a half, I walked in the wilderness. I tried a lot of things I wish I'd never tried. Did a lot of things that, stupid things that 16-year-old boys can do. I did. But well over 40 years later, this is in 1976, when I was on the back of a bus... And I cried out to the Lord. I cried. I cried a long time. But I cried out to God. And He heard me. And I can still remember the peace that flooded my soul. That had been gone for so long. It seemed forever. I can remember it.
My teacher wasn't all that impressed. I can tell you that right now when I told her, listen, I've got right with God and everything's going to be all right. She said, I don't want to hear about your religion. Keep that to yourself. That's what she said. My parents weren't too keen on me either. My principal at school, he wasn't too happy with me either. But in my heart, listen, in my heart, I knew God had come to me. And I knew he was going to take me out of that wilderness. And he did. Even though it was my own choice, even though it was my own decision to leave him and go wandering, he was faithful. He heard my cry. And I know, brothers and sisters in Christ, he'll do the same thing for you. Some of you may need to cry out to God because you've never been saved. Your parents may be Christian people. They may be very religious people. They may have raised you to be a religious person, but being religious is not going to make you right with God. It is only recognizing that you're a sinner and asking Jesus Christ to save you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, and thou shalt be saved. And you can find that true in your own life today. I don't know what your decision is. Maybe you need to be saved. Maybe you just need to cry to the Lord. This is your time. Let's stand together.